Welcome to the weekly podcast from Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. For more information about Faith Community, please visit our website at www.faithcommunitychurch.net or check us out on Facebook by searching Faith Community Church Janesville. You can also reach us by email at podcast at faithjanesville.org. You can be a part of this ministry and help advance the kingdom by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a five-star review. This helps us spread the word of God in the podcast world, allowing us to better reach more people in the name of Christ. All right, men, make sure you be there for no regrets. It's an awesome time and a great time of learning. So good morning, faith community. Well, that wasn't bad. You're awake. Okay. I brought a special guest with me today. A Pez dispenser. Yeah. Remember this? Well, you know what's cool about the Pez dispenser? You know, you, you want something, you open it up, and it gives you what you want. Get a nice little sugar buzz. You know, it just, it always gives us what we want. Um, so I brought the, Mr. Pez along, Iron Man, in case you didn't see, uh, to make a point, but you're going to have to wait through the whole sermon before I tell you what it is, because, you know, Pastor Gary likes to torture. Um, so before we go into God's word, let's go before him and, and pray. Father, first of all, push me aside and speak to us. Let us learn at your feet. This then is how we should pray. Open our hearts to your wisdom in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're, we're looking at Matthew 6, 9 through 15, which starts out with, this then is how you should pray. Now, it's important to, that we get a little understanding of this then and how we should pray um, and because a lot of scholars will look at, it's an imperative verb, it's present tense, and then there's like five or six other names for the verb along with it. And some people think that means that it's saying this then is the only way we should pray. Well, and, and we got to be careful about that because what this is, is a model for us that helps us to focus how we pray, that it teaches us where there should be a real focus in our devotional time. Now, this, this, this prayer, so to speak, in these passages comes in two parts. There's the invocation, our Father in heaven, just so we know who we're talking to, uh, and that's important. And then there's petitions, the second part, and there's six of them. Six petitions, six things that you're asking for. Uh, and the first three, you're going to notice, put a focus differently than we, what we may think. All right, the first three petitions, the priority points to this. The glory of God. The glory of God. And teaches us to focus on first things first. Because when you think about it, throughout, if you look at all the Bible, 
The glory of God is above everything. Everything that's happening is to his glory, including our need for a savior. It all points to God's glory. So let's look at the, the first petition because this sets the tone. Hallowed be your name. It's not just, hey, God, you're cool. And he is. But hallowed. What a, what a, there's a lot to that word. This idea of reverence. You could feel that as we were singing praises during worship. God's presence. Hallowed be your name. We are, in our prayer, moving into God's presence. You know, you always hear people say, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God and ask God this and ask God that. I'm thinking, no, you're not. This is this amazing, powerful being who can go like this and create the entire universe. I'm not going off to him. Dude, what was with that? Yeah, that's just not going to happen. I, I don't know about you, but I think I'll probably be approaching face first, crawling, with head bowed out of reverence. Yet, we still get to call him our father. We're moving into the presence of God who controls everything. So we focus on that reverence in our heart for who God is. Who God is is a four-year sermon series in its own right. Hallowed be your name. We're holding God in reverence, glorifying and exalting his name. That's why I always like to start my prayers with praise, adoration. You know, which still doesn't come close to hallowed be your name. Because it's the idea of who God is. It's beyond what our brain can comprehend. So we approach him, our hearts bowed to him. And that sets the tone, the rest of our prayers. And then the second petition, your kingdom come. We're asking in our own petition for the rule of God and to be in the hearts of everyone. In case you haven't noticed, that ain't happening yet. But we want 
his kingdom to come. And that happens on earth and in heaven, right? Because we have to understand something. We are a representative of the kingdom of God. So we, God, for some reason, God picks us, insignificant sinners by grace, maybe not you, but me, yeah. Insignificant sinner saved by grace. To help build his kingdom. So when you go to God in heaven after you pass away, that's another question. Dude, what were you thinking using us? But what greater way to glorify him? Your kingdom come. See, and, 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 it, and let, let's get an idea of what that means. It means now and for the future. Because we are used by him to build his kingdom. We glorify God by being used by him to build his kingdom. So that's what we're praying for, for God to rule in the hearts of everyone. But it also has a future aspect. We're praying for those final days. Now, Saturday night, I, I said, okay, God, if you want to, Jesus, if you want to come now, we're cool. He didn't listen to me. I don't know what's up with him. So I'm going to, I asked in the 830 service, nothing. So I'm going to ask again, come Lord Jesus. There will be a time when Jesus will come. And the groaning of all creation will end. So we're praying for the now to build his kingdom in this dark, dark world and for the future when he makes everything new. Your kingdom come. And then the third petition, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, um, a little word of pastoral warning. Uh, if you're going to ask for his will to be done, be prepared because that means he's going to have his will done in you. Uh, just a little lesson I learned. Don't do one of those prayers where you're like, oh, I'm going to be so wonderful because I'm going to ask God to break me and break me down to nothing because I learned something. He will. It wasn't, it isn't fun, but it sure is glorious. Your will be done on earth as it is heaven. So be prepared if you're praying for God's will, that includes God's will in your life. He does it so much better than I do. Have you ever like fought God? Yeah, you're all being honest. That's good. Nobody went, nope, not me, uh-uh. Because then you'd see the lightning come down through the ceiling. And, uh, but, you know, that idea of his will for us, we may not like it at first, but, boy, we learned how it was such a more perfect way than whatever we could do. You know, and what a great prayer. Your will be done. Lord, I'm surrendering this to you. 
your will be done. You know, because when you learn surrender, you also learn peace. Because guess who's in control? Did anybody figure that out yet? Yeah. And, and just so you know, I'm saying that going, yeah, I'm not always. But that idea of God ruling in the hearts of everyone. Whew, man, I would love to see that day. And it could be today, dude, if you want to. This idea of salvation history, of God's will be done. Uh, I, many of you know I, I teach for Grand Canyon University. And for some reason, when we're doing the Old Testament survey, they teach on what they call salvation history, where God's hand is in everything. And I think one of the reasons why they discuss it in the Old Testament is because when we realize the Old Testament teaches us our need for a savior, we can see God's hand in the history of Israel. And I always have a student, and we all make this make, oh, man, Israel, they just never got it. Until I realized Israel is us. But you see, we as believers have the indwelling Holy Spirit, we still don't get it right. So it's it's God's hand throughout history showing us our need for a savior. And oh boy, we need that. And then God's history in the New Testament, where by the way, he shows us how then we should live. It's a great instruction guide. You should read it sometime. No, kidding. All right, but then it ends with that will be done. That's salvation history. It's the then to show us we need for a savior, the now when we have the savior in our lives, and for the then when everything comes to fruition. Salvation history. So those first three put our focus on him. Good place to be. But now our, our, our next three petitions are, are about our needs, but there's a lesson in that as well. All right, the fourth petition, give us today our daily bread. When my daughter was little, she'd always go, give us today our deli bread. And in New Jersey, that meant pumpernickel and rye. Mm. And I'm like, honey, it's daily bread. I know, but I love deli bread. It's, it's that idea of asking for provision, focusing on our needs, knowing that God will provide. On just our needs. Now, this doesn't mean you can't be rich. God may bless you, and you could be rich. I, we've got friends of ours from our home church um, who he went from middle class to multimillionaire overnight. could have everything he wanted, he and his wife. But they, they, they followed this idea of the daily needs and realized that if they've been blessed, it's actually a responsibility. They got involved. They, gave, they tried to outgive God. You ever try to do that? 
but they sure had fun doing it. And that perspective of focusing on him came in handy when their beautiful daughter fell off of a horse and was paralyzed. And he told me, Gary, I'd give up all these millions for that to change. But first of all, we know God has a plan. And right now, we're just living day to day. I have a friend who uh, is involved in ministry here, does great work for God. Uh, even in their job, it's all about helping others. And uh, this person has been working part-time, praying for a full-time position. Uh, and uh, we would talk, and she'd be like, oh, I'm watching that bank account dwindle. Come on, God, come on, God. Uh, and then this week, she was staying out on Monday, and on Friday, the boss says, you're gonna come in, I wanna talk to you. We're gonna create a petition for you based on your gifts to help our organization. Oh, and by the way, it's full-time. And she laughs and she calls me up after the meeting and says, when am I gonna learn? I'm like, hey, welcome to the club, honey. We're all like that. She just surrendered it to him. And he provided. You ever notice he never does it on our time? But what he did was so much better than what this person could have ever imagined. That's God. I have a special Pastor Gary theology. It's called God's Ahoot Theology. Because sometimes you just look and you just laugh and go, God, you're a hoot. I could have never imagined what you would give me. And it's so much more that I needed than if I had chosen what I wanted. This whole idea of daily provision. And then the fifth petition, petition um, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now here's an extra biblical, extra theology theory on my part. So a friend of mine told me this. You notice sometimes it's debts and debtors and sometimes it's trespasses and trespassers. Well, they explained to me, see, Episcopalians and Presbyterians are all bankers, so they go with debtors. Methodists are all farmers and landowners, so they go with trespasses. Just a theory. I don't know if that's true. Uh, probably, if you look at the biblical interpretation, not. But, uh, you know, I had to throw something funny in there as we're going along. But forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. That which we owe and must suffer punishment unless payment is made. Wonder what that could be about. I don't know about you, but I have to ask for forgiveness every day. Every 10 seconds. <laughs> oh. um, but it also says this as we ha also have forgiven our debtors. Ow. So we're asking God for forgiveness, but we can't forgive our neighbor for his dog uh, urinating on our lawn or 
You know, it, 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 it's really a reminder that if we're going to ask for forgiveness, then we have to give forgiveness. You know, are we really forgiving? Mm, not going to answer that question. I refuse to answer on the grounds that might incriminate me. But it's a challenge. Have we forgiven? If we're praying it, then we need to live it? Is that what, they're, what Jesus is teaching us here? Now, just so you know, I'm going to move to the next topic, but we're coming back to that. Oh, darn all right, because I want to I go over the sixth petition. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, James 1.13 makes it clear God does not tempt us, so to speak. So, like some scholars say, it should say, and lead us, comma, not into temptation. Kind of give you a picture. Okay, this week we've been babysitting my grandson. By the way, when you're a grandparent, when they nap, you nap. I know all you young moms are a little jealous right now because that's your catch-up time. But, you know, he's three years old. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread, of course, and never would do anything wrong. Um, But it's like our Heavenly Father... When, we, when, when little David walks toward danger, what do we do? No, let's lead you over here. Okay, okay, we see the fireplace burning. No, let's lead you away from that. You know, let's lead you away from that which brings you pain. So it's kind of like, all right, God, as we're walking this world, take us like a little child and move us over here. Now you as, know as well I, as I do, it doesn't always work that way, does it? Because like a little child, we want to do it. So that's why we then continue with, but deliver us from the evil one. So it's kind of like, God, lead us away from that temptation. I'm not always going to listen to you. And when I don't, could you just help me get away from the evil one? Lead us not, lead us, comma, not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. How many times have we gone to God asking for him to clear out the repercussions of our sin? Because the evil one, the enemy, loves it when we sin. And I've I've learned a cure for that. And I tell this to people when they're worried about their witness. If you've sinned in front of somebody, confess it. So they know you realize you've done wrong. That is what shows a real Christian testimony. Yeah, you're right, I was wrong here, and I need to do better. You want to blow them away? They can't call you a hypocrite after that. Well, they could, but, you know, they should join the rest of us hypocrites here worshiping with God right now. So lead us not to temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Now, I have a special nerd alert coming up because I am a nerd. You know that. I've admitted it. I've confessed it. You know, I should have the little tape on the glasses here. All right. There, there is in our prayer 
something that's semi-extra biblical. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You notice it's not in this passage. Why? Because it's in some manuscripts, but not the leading manuscripts, as if somebody added that in there. And it's a great addition, and it's a great way to close our prayer, because it brings our focus back to him. But it's not scripture. Doesn't mean it's bad. In fact, thine is the king and the power and the glory forever. Ooh, that's the way to end it. So that we, as we end that prayer, remember who this is focused on. So that's my alert, alert thing. All right. So when you do the Lord's Prayer, don't go, that's not biblical, I'm not saying it. Go ahead and say it, because it's still true. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So, man, what lessons can we learn from this? There's a, a lot of teaching. See, because what's happening here right now in this, in this chapter is rabbinical teaching from Jesus to his disciples. So let's go to, back to lesson one, the idea of forgiveness. Yeah, you thought I forgot about that one. Now there's more we need to talk about. I need to hear it too, so I'm not just talking to you. All right, the idea of forgiveness. Let's put up verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Okay, so far it sounds pretty good, right? Verse 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ouch! Did he just say that? All right, but let's be careful about how we take this, not completely literally, it's rabbinical teaching again. And it's reminding us, you've been forgiven of everything. I, I, write this down, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. This is your homework for this week. All right, because in this passage, the, the, the disciples ask, how many times should we forgive? And Jesus says something crazy like 70 times 7. 490. So at 491, we don't have to forgive anymore? No, once again, this is rabbinical teaching. What he's telling you is you must always forgive. And then if you're unsure of that and you're thinking he's crazy... Uh, he goes through this parable of the wicked servant. This servant is forgiven by the king of a debt that could never be repaid. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? This is actually one of the first passages I preached on publicly way back when. Uh, and being a nerd... I wanted to know, he, he had a debt of 10,000 talents. What does that mean? And so I did some digging and some research. And back in the year 2000, that would have come to like $3.5 billion. This is what this servant owed the king. That kind of debt, when you understand how debt was repaid, you ended up in jail 
your family could be sold to slavery. You were in jail until the debt was repaid. Well, that wasn't going to happen, was it? He wasn't going to see the light of day. Yet the king forgave him of that, like that. Just like God has forgiven us through Jesus Christ of all that we've done. Now, remember, I used to be in politics. The list was long. But then this servant walks out free and encounters a servant that owes him a small debt. It can't be the equivalent of either a day or a week's wages. And the first thing he does is have that servant and owe them debt thrown in the jail. He was just forgiven this debt that could never be repaid. And he couldn't forgive this small little thing. And I'm telling you, anything compared to God sending his, his son down to die for us for the debt that we have is nothing compared to anything you've experienced. And that's why the idea of forgiveness plays an important role. And in lesson two, focus on our basic needs. Look, once again, I'm not saying you can't be rich or any of that other stuff, but focus on what's important. These petitions are really, the last three petitions, they're about us, but they're really about our Christian walk and building it up. And to focus on that. To focus on our basic needs. For some of us, it could be struggling with grief of a lost one. You know, somebody that we loved who, who we've lost. You know, we, we have that hope that we'll see them in heaven, but it's a day-to-day thing. Or we have people that it's a miracle they get out of her bed and shower for the day because of the struggles they're going through. And now the big lesson, all you've been waiting for, the big lesson, focus on glorifying God even in our prayers. Everything we do, our prayers, our actions, everything glorifies God. Even when we do wrong and we tell people, hey, we just did wrong, that's giving glory to God. Because we know that's the only reason we can be saved. So you're wondering about old Iron Man here. Once again, I open it up. My prayers have been answered. It's so sweet tasting. Gives me a little sugar buzz. So you figure about one o'clock, I'm going to be on a sugar down. But I, I brought my guest up here today to remind us that sometimes we use God as a Pez dispenser. We pray, he gives it to us, we don't talk to him. Okay, we're good now. Then we have another need and we pray. Boy, I'm gonna be really buzzed after this. But what Jesus is talking about, he's not talking about we can't pray. 
All right, Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't ask for a Mercedes. Uh, recently, my son and his wife have been house hunting and they really desire a house. But their focus has been on, Lord, is this the time? Is this the house? Because when it comes to the scheme of things, it's really great, but not the most important thing in their lives. I'm so proud of his wisdom. Maybe he could teach his old man. But to focus on God's will in your life, and that may be the new house. Who knows? Maybe it's a Mercedes. I don't know. God's a better giver than I am. But to focus on glorifying him, coming into his presence, listen to that voice that's teaching you things, and ask for just what you need. Just let me get through today and use me and help me grow. Let's pray. So Lord, this then is how we should pray. Let us not give up asking for things, for healing, for peace, for comfort. But that we stay focused on you and to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you for giving us reminders and teaching us as we sit at your feet. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For those who are interested in giving, there's boxes in the back or for you online you can give online but otherwise it's a beautiful sunny day glorify him and have a great day god bless thanks for tuning in to the faith community church podcast we are glad that you joined us and hope that you were blessed by the message if you would like to join us in the ministry of sharing the word of god please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. This helps us build the analytics of the channel, allowing us to better reach people in the name of Christ. Go be the light in your family, your community, and your church. God bless you.